The men and women leading the 21 sports at Campbell University have helped build and guide the Fighting Camels to one of their best years ever. They are talented and hardworking, and most importantly, great people. The kind of people you'd love to just sit down and have a cup of coffee with. Unfortunately, in this 10-second soundbite world we live in, we mainly only get coaches talking about how they won, why they lost, and what's next. This podcast tries to remedy that with two cups of coffee and a recorder. I'm Chris Amire, and this is Coffee with Coaches. National Wrestling Hall of Famer Kerry Collat is a big deal. He's one of the most well-known wrestlers in the country, a national champion, a world champion, an Olympian. If you aren't driving right now, Google him. I'm serious. C-A-R-Y-K-O-L-A-T. Past his Wikipedia entry, his YouTube page, his website, colat.com, is a link to a Sports Illustrated story from April 6, 1992, titled, The Best There Ever Was. Now, Google Kerry Colat Controversy. It won't bring up anything bad about his behavior, but it will bring up multiple stories about how he was the victim of some wrestling rules and judgments that basically cheated him out of more world championships and an Olympic medal. Rules have been changed because of his misfortune and what he went through. Kerry Collette is a big deal, and he's the head wrestling coach at Campbell University, who in just three years took Campbell's wrestling program from the bottom to the top of the Southern Conference. Coach, we'll start off with what I think I told you was the toughest coffee order I ever took. Talk about <laughs> what coffee I brought you, and is this a thing that you do a lot? No, no, it was it was more a joke. I, it was, uh, but uh, yeah, it's camp time. We have we have a lot of campers. We we're in our second week of camp. It's going great. The kids are having fun. But like any camp, you know, somebody you know can't sleep. Somebody you know got picked on, or whatever it may be. All the problems you deal with camp sometimes, and, and uh, so that's why I said Red Bull and coffee would probably wake me up for the interview. <laughs> You came from a very blue-collar neck of the woods. Talk about where you grew up in Pennsylvania. Yeah, I grew up in rural, rural Pennsylvania. Um, father's dad, parents were immigrants, and um, and so we worked. You know, my dad uh, he grew up with, with six younger sisters. You know, and, and they made extra money by working in the garden and selling vegetables and doing that stuff. And so when I was ten, my dad's like, "If you're not training, you're working." You know, and, and at ten years old, I did construction with him and. Uh, and cousins and and um, we did that for years and my father was the guy we didn't take lunch breaks he'd sit on a hot roof it might be 130 on the roof and smoke cigarettes and drink coffee and we'd all be dying at you know 12 13 18 years old and, and couldn't understand how he did it but he had his body conditioned to, to work and he ate like once a day and that was his his deal is that where your work ethic comes from yeah absolutely I mean I, I think every parent you know tries to instill that for the most part if they're not they should be I mean um, work is is a place where you can even out the playing field. You know, I think everybody's got some gifts. You know, I I hate to use that as a use your God given talent, but I think we all get something. Um, you know, but in the end, where we're equal is just a work ethic, and and so he tried to instill that in me, and and that was obviously applied to wrestling, and I try to apply that to my guys now. That's where we can always be the the best at, and then we can counter guys. Um, God given talents with with work and or being smarter and, and more strategic in areas. Pennsylvania is a wrestling hotbed. Is that how you got into it? Because that was the culture, and I guess once you got into it, how did you grab it by the yeah. horns? It's it's five days a week from the time you start. Like I, I uh, my wife's from Maryland, and when I moved to to Maryland, I ran a club up there for years, and um, I would meet kids, and they'd say they've been wrestling for you know seven years, but only been doing it two days a week for seven years, and 
and I didn't know any different. Like Pennsylvania is organized from our, our high school program would also to some extent organize our elementary school program. So we were the Jefferson Morgan Rockets. So you had the Jefferson Morgan Rockets, the high school team, the middle school team, and the elementary team. And so there was depth all the way through, and that's how a, a head coach at the high school level would make sure his future was bright. But it was five days a week. I mean, when you signed up, it was five days a week, Monday through Friday, and then Saturday was a tournament. So it was really six days a week, and, and um, Sunday was off, and then you started all over again. And that was the culture of Pennsylvania. I guess it was, um, you know, it's cold. You know, I mean, it's not Siberia, but it's cold. And, and so when time comes, it's, it's basketball and it's wrestling, and that's what you did. And, and uh, everybody in the area did it. We all wrestled. You know, you, any of your buddies would be like going to wrestling practice. It wasn't like some kid didn't wrestle. When you got to high school, you never lost uh, wrestling high school in Pennsylvania, which has some of the best wrestlers in the entire country. 137 NO, just incredible. Yeah, yeah, it was good. I mean, that was always the goal that I set out. I, I my second year, I, I just um, you know threw myself into the sport. I, I won a national title at the age group level when I was seven in in the international style wrestling, and then there from at eight, I laid out my goals and. I mean, I don't know why, I mean, but I laid them out, like they always said, write it down on a piece of paper, and, and I wrote it down, and, and um, man, I never stopped. I just tried to check every single one of them off. And then the goals evolved to some extent, like I always wanted to win a Pennsylvania state title, but then that went to winning four, and then at the time there was a guy named Ty Moore who was undefeated, and was looks like he was going to win four, so then I was like, well, the, the level's up, now it's winning four and going undefeated and, and being more dominant at it, you know, I mean, that's what the best do, you know, you're, you're probably going to match some, some records, but how you match those records, you know, did I, did I do it without scoring, giving up a takedown or, or, you know, pinning everybody. So my level was just always a notch up, just always a notch up. You talked about, you look back at that record and love the record, but you love more what you thought it did for your high school and your community. Yeah, absolutely. So we hadn't had, we hadn't had a state champ since I, I believe it was like 19, 59 or 49 something like that and we had a, a an older gentleman who was our assistant coach named Ernie Benedict, Benedict. and at the time he had coached my father he had coached I mean everybody I came in contact uh, contact with knew this guy and I think at the time when I was in high school Ernie was I mean he might have been 76 years old already and um, he was awesome he was our assistant coach slash trainer slash comedian um, you know if you got hurt you know, he was a guy, he cold sprayed it and said, go back over. That was how treatment was done back then, you know, or it was the opposite. You got hurt, oh, put some heat on it, you know, and, and get back in there. And um, so we hadn't had a state champ since, you know, one of those decades. It, it was a, maybe a 40, 50-year gap, and um, Ernie was the guy who had coached that last guy. And, and so it just revived the program. And, but on top of that, we had a good team. And so the whole community could rally around certain guys on the team. We had never won the team championship. We, we, had, we were in a drought for state champions, and we accomplished all that in the same year with our head coach. Did you ever get back there? Yeah, I mean, for recruiting or, or stopping in to see my parents. Not as much as I'd like, but, you know, I've got three kids and down here in North Carolina. And the oldest one does gymnastics and the younger one, I mean, is doing soccer and the middle one's still trying to figure out what she wants to do. And, and so we're going in different directions all the time and then schedules don't always line up. So, I mean, I get back there, but not as often as you'd like to get back. At the end of your high school career, Sports Illustrated did a, a, a three, four page article on you with the headline, the best ever. You had a different sort of attitude and have been training at a high level for a long time, but 
What does that do to an 18-year-old kid, good or bad? Well, it's, it, it was probably, really, it was a little embarrassing, the headlines, you know. I mean, my, my dad was always one, look, you're going to get a lot of attention and stay humble. Don't be that guy. Don't be a jerk, you know. And, and, um, and so, you know, that, that headline was always, always embarrassing to me. But, you know, I guess people were recognizing what I've done. And I think in, uh, unconsciously, like, that's what you want, right? You want people to know, yeah, I'm, I'm doing some, some big things here. And, and um so it probably put a little pressure on me going into college, you know, and, and I always say pressure or stress, whatever you want to call it. It's, re- it's really make-believe. It's in your head, and it's how you, how you control things. And, and um, I'd like to be a little more under the radar. You know, I already had a big enough target on my back, but when you're 18 and a senior and you got a big uh, article in Sports Illustrated and you're going to college, there's a bunch of seniors waiting to chew you up when you get out there, you know. So, But I did well. I took second that year and, and um, battled through some good battles. It was an unbelievable college career, a four-time All-American, three times of the finals, two national championships with two different schools. I'm going to start on probably what was a low point. When you did finally law, lose as mm-hmm. a part of a team, when undefeated in high school, you lost at Penn State. What was that like? Uh, it, it didn't affect me that much. Yeah. I think I think my teammates and I were like wondering how this guy is going to handle it. It, it didn't... It didn't. Uh, I didn't like losing, but it didn't bother me in terms of setting me back. Um, at the time, my first loss came to the guy who was ranked number one in the country, and it was overtime. And so I left that match saying, "I'm there." You know, I'm I'm really right there. You know, it was going to be one of these guys who just flourished in high school. It's easy to be good in high school if you've got some dedication. That's what I say. Like, um, if you're dedicated and you're really a student sport, you can really exceed. There's a lot of fish in the sea at that level. There's you know, two hundred or two hundred fifty thousand kids wrestling in the United States. Um, but when you get to college. You know, at the time when I was there, I think we only had 100 NCAA Division One programs. So, I mean, you're talking a very small uh, pocket that's left, and they are the best. Even the worst guy is one of the better guys. And, and so losing to that guy in overtime, I was like, wow. I mean, and it was second week or first week of the season for me, you know. So I was right there. It just motivated me. I was on the right track, and I just needed it. Get a, get a little further ahead before the season ended. You went to two very different schools, size-wise, two great wrestling schools in uh, Lock Haven and Penn State. That was a interesting college trip for you. Those two schools. Yeah, it was a big change. It was a big change. I grew up in a in a small town. I I mean, I had classroom sizes of twelve and fifteen. I graduated with a I think a class there was like seventy kids in my senior class. My first class at Penn State was biology with 1,500 students in one classroom in an auditorium with, a, I would say, a professor walking across the stage with a microphone and a lighting crew, and, I, and you couldn't ask a question. And, and um, that was just a really hard environment for me to, to, to learn in. And, and even your smallest class was something like 300. And um, so it, w- it was hard for me to, to balance it. It was hard for me uh, uh, to learn in that kind of a setting. Um, and in my wrestling career wasn't going the way I wanted. I mean, I took second, third. A lot of people would be happy about that, but, you know, I just wanted to be on top of the stand. And so there was a balance that I feel like I was missing, and and I wasn't going to leave Penn State. Um, I had a little disagreement with the coach who was, it was just, it's typical. I mean, I have disagreements with my guys sometimes. It's part of an athlete. They get frustrated with themselves, and, and maybe they want to take it out on you or whatever it may be. And and uh, I think I handled the, the decision a little immaturely. He might have handled our conversation a, a little immaturely at the time. I mean, he was a first-year um, head coach in his second year. I mean, and we all learn as we move forward. And and so uh, I went to I went to Lock Haven, which was 2,900 students, which wasn't 30,000 students, which was 30 miles from Penn State, which had a really good team and uh, good partners in an environment where it was 20 and 30 in a classroom and. 
all that allowed me to, to train properly, you know, focus on school properly, and I won both national titles there. And um, so that's what I say when we recruit. Like, Campbell here, Campbell was a perfect school for certain people. Like, there are kids who want, more than people think, want a small school. And I see a lot of kids, I look at their academics and they're thinking big time school, and I'm looking at their high school academics saying, you need small. You need a small classroom. You're going to wrestle better at a small place because. You know, you're going to be able to balance your academics better. You're going to get more, more relationships, more attention than you'd ever get, that personal touch that a big school would never give you. When you first made the decision to come here, that was something you pointed to coming from Lock Haven. You knew that you could build a wrestling power, and it was a place that would be a, a great nursery for you. Yes, absolutely. You know, and, and that's I said. I go back to the personal touch. I feel like I've got a great staff. Um, I feel like I got really lucky with the coaches that I, I've picked up in the last two years. And I think we all bring a different personality to the team, which that goes back to the relationship. Everybody's going to find a certain coach that they're going to go to when they, when they, they need to talk or they have issues. And you've got to be at that outlet for them. And, um, you know, certain guys will go to Evans or Kylie or Sentez or me, and, and it's a mix. Um, you know, but being here, I mean, I told the guys, look, you're successful here. You'll be a rock star on campus, you know, in, in a good way, not one smashing up hotel rooms. But, you know, and uh, I mean, but, you know, we won the SoCon. I walk across campus and uh, every time I see a facility guy or somebody, they're like, hey, coach, how are you doing? You know, at, at a big school, they wouldn't even know who you are. You know, I'm just some short guy walking across campus. And um, but here they you stand out and people know you and, and you uh, meet great people that way. We'll go back to your post college career uh about a decade um wrestling internationally uh on the national team what is that like putting on the stars and stripes and representing your country uh, it's re- it, it really is a cool um it's a cool feeling it's a cool situation um we always said it was it was us versus the world um you know and we'd go to events and in uh, the officiating wasn't always fair um you know we were you know, we're a powerful country, so people want to knock you down. And uh, in athletics, it's the same way, you know. And, and so we would always ban up. And I built some really strong relationships with the guys on those teams. And, and being able to have your flag raised, although I didn't get it raised at the very top, I got it raised a few times, and it was uh, it, it was really cool. And, and the trips we took, we went to places that you don't plan vacations to, I always tell people. Wrestling is best in some of the worst parts of the world, down in Dagestan and southern Russia and, and Iran and, and places you don't plan vacations to. So I've seen things that are unique that most people will never see. Of course, when you think back to your career, the gold medals at the World Cup level, the, the Pan Am Games, um, the Olympics you were in with the controversy, kind of things that came up that limited you with a couple of medals when you got, you know, really shafted on the on the world stage what did those memories do for you especially for the olympics uh i mean those were gut-wrenching for i mean for years like i always said i identified with being an olympic champion before i'd ever even you know had the chance to compete for it i always saw myself with it that's what that drive was that kept me going so um and that really was an identity like i you know as you say burn the bridge i was all in and so not having that happen, I mean, it, t- it took me years to really get over it. Not years down in the dumps crying in my basement, but it was, man, it, w- it was tough. It wasn't easy. And, uh, and I always thank God that my wife was there at that time because it, it just, I think I, it allowed me to come out of that, that funk for, uh, you know, years earlier. And, um, but now it's, it's something that it's, it's a teaching tool. You know, I've got three kids and it's a teaching tool. And, and the truth is, like you say, you might say life's not always fair, but you know, it's not that it's not always fair. I mean, things happen in life that you don't expect. You don't get everything you want, even if you feel like you put all the work in. And when you feel like you put all the, all the, all the work in and you are honest with your training, that's when it's hard to get over. 
but you got to get over it. You got to get through it. And um, and then when you, you become an adult, a real adult that has children, and you're managing kids, then you realize, okay, this is what life's about, you know. And so I'll take all those those bumps in the road and, and uh, use those lessons for them. And my wife will use you know, bumps in the road for her and use those lessons for them. And hopefully, we, we put out three good kids who contribute to society, and that's how we move forward. Uh, like most wrestlers, you were training internationally and starting your coaching career. Um, has to be difficult, but what did you like about coaching, obviously, to continue it like you have? Um, I mean, really, when I finally, you, you, first of all, you got to drop your ego. You know, when you're a competitor, we always tell the guy, you have to be selfish. You know, you have to be selfish, whether it's your, you know, girlfriend relationships and there's a party, she wants you to go. I mean, you have to be selfish first. got to think about you. And um, so then when you're done, you have to be able to let that ego go and say, okay, it's no longer about me. Um, my younger years, I feel like you know you were. St- I was just coming off being highly competitive, and I, I still felt like I could be the man. And, and um, so I think early on, I was never as effective as I am now. You know, and, and um, that's what coaching is. Your guys got to believe this guy's all in. You know, when I lose, he loses, and um, it can't be. You know, you lost, and I say, well, I wouldn't have lost. You know what I mean? You. So I feel it when my guys work, and especially my guys will work hard when they when they get beat or come up short and. And I know they put 100% in and, and things just didn't go away. It, it hurts me too. And, and um, you know, I try to focus on them. I don't, my job is to worry about the team as a whole. But then I have to micromanage that individual to some extent because if I don't help this guy reach his goals, then it could hurt our relationship. But if he reaches his goals, then it takes care of the team. And so there's a, it's a balance of getting it right. You know? But in the end, the guys know I have to look out for the entire squad first. Um, but it, it hits. You've got to drop the ego, and, and um, you've got to be all in, and you've got to build trust with them. You knew this school could produce a winning wrestling program when you took this job, but it was not in good condition, the program, and there were people that thought, gosh, what are you doing? Why Campbell? Yeah, absolutely. There were, there were people who thought I was crazy, but those same people never took the time to investigate um, Campbell University. I stumbled on Campbell just, just by luck. You know, we, uh, UNC had a triangle meet when I was coaching there with Campbell um, and Northwestern down here. And I remember driving saying, there's no way there's a school out here. No way as we're driving these countries. I'm like, we're lost. There's no way there is a school sitting out in these tobacco fields and these cotton fields. And then all of a sudden, boom, you drive up on it. And you're like, well, wait a minute, where's, what's going on down here? And, um, and I, I, you know, I mean, this is a, a truthful story. I wasn't in the gym 15 minutes, and I called my wife, and I said, I found this awesome little Southern Baptist school that our kids should look at someday. It's, you know, it's not far from us. And, you know, at the time, I still thought I was going to be up the road. And, and, um, the, and, and so when the job opened up, I actually reached out to uh, Bob Roller, the AD. I mean, I had a kid. There was a kid who was transferring from Campbell and was considering UNC, and I got this email and said our coach is leaving, and, and I emailed Bob, and, and Bob, I think, called me like 11 o'clock that night. And I, that's what really started it, you know. I mean, anytime you meet Bob Roller, you know he's a genuine guy. Like, you know, you know the salesman and all that. been around the block. And we had a great conversation at 11 o'clock. And I had my gut said, I'm probably going to take this job, you know. And then I came down a couple weeks later and, uh, because I, I had to go to the U.S. Open. And then uh, we toured. We met. I met you. I met other people. And, and um, man, I just I really liked it. And, uh so and then with the resources and and um, with the support from the administration and everybody I'm at, I'm like, we could do it here, you know. Now I didn't think we'd do what we did this year this fast. I really I had it on. I wrote down my goals when we first got here, presented them to the guys, um, Vilay Hino who just graduated, 
He said, Coach, you know, he goes, I thought you were crazy. When you, he goes, because he had been through the turmoil of the APR and, and uh, a little bit of the dysfunction of the team and stuff. And he goes, I never thought we would do this, you know. And, and so we did it one year ahead of schedule on, on one of the goals. And then there's some others we fell short and we need to try to get this year. In the middle of this interview, I asked you, why Campbell, when you chose this job after your unbelievable success, Ocon, Coach of the Year, turning the program around in just three years, uh, you had a lot of interest from a lot of bigger schools, um, a lot of schools with a little bit more of a wrestling tradition. So I'll ask you again, why Campbell again? Yeah, um, because I know there's a, there is an area out there, there are a lot of wrestlers who are not going to go wrestle at a Power Five. Uh, there's just not enough scholarships. There's not enough, um, you know, resources to go around. And then I also know there are a lot of parents and a lot of kids who want a small atmosphere, you know, just like I did. And that is the right atmosphere for them. And so I knew I would, once I got people on campus, I knew once they saw what I saw, they would be all in. And that's what we did. I mean, that's why our roster went from 14 my first year to 55 going in the next year. There are parents and kids who are looking for that exact environment. And we offer it. We offer great academics. We offer offer awesome southern hospitality and awesome weather you know and and um you can't go wrong with with, with pick and campbell pretty good facilities you've got right now but even better coming in the future yeah yeah we're getting uh an upgrade our facility is is by far a, a, a solid facility we got a weight room that's you know 50 feet down the hall we got a track that's a uh, hundred yards behind us to do sprints we got a pool right behind us and we have a a two mat wrestling room that's new it's only eight years old and um it's got you know big windows and light comes in and and uh, we got a 45 million dollar arena that we can go and run stadium steps in and so we have everything that we need um but with our size of our program and, and where we're at you know we're just we're going to bust it out and go to three mats we're going to put uh, an academic lounge in there for our wrestlers a cardio room in there for those guys as well because you know, they, we're doing sometimes two and three workouts a day and, and office space for recruiting, and it's just um, in a bigger locker room, and it's, it's a need. Not that I don't really like to go after kids who need those things. If you need a, you need a big room, you feel like that's why I'm going to come in, then you're probably not the right kid for us. But having that facility is just going to allow us to up our training game. And um, so it's coming in April. Um, I don't know exactly, uh, you know, where the price tag sits right now, but, I mean, you know, Campbell's all in, and, and it, it was a need for recruiting, and we'll have it. You've mentioned your family off and on throughout this interview, helping you through things, uh, trying to be a good dad. And that tell us a little bit about your wife and three kids. Yeah, so, uh, you know, Erin has been lucky. She's been able to stay at home with the kids. That You know, that was a choice we made, and it's not always easy to do that in today's world. And, and um, so I'm happy we did it. And um, so she raised the kids. She's got a great relationship with them. So she's obviously the one that's handling more of the school side of things and transporting the gymnastics and stuff like that. And then... Uh, She'll help out with the camps, and, and um, but she's a wrestling fan, you know, and, and um, so she's very supportive of the team. My, my oldest daughter's 16, and she's very supportive of the team. She's a, a gymnast and understands athletics, and, I mean, she's training like 20, 24 hours a day with gymnastics, so she understands what it's like to be a high-level athlete. Um, my son's here at wrestling camp this week, and he wrestles one, one week a year, I tell everybody. They always ask. But I'm like, he only likes to come to camp. He likes to eat at Marsh Banks. He likes to stay in the dorm. Um, you know, so he, he trains all year for one week is what happens. And, uh, and then my middle one, you know, she's, the, uh, she's my buddy. She's my sidekick most times. If i got to go somewhere, she'll jump in the car with me and, and travel with me. So um, they've been great. They, they, they love being at Campbell. And they were a little shell-shocked. You know, they went from... They had, no, they had, you know, spent some years at UNC, especially my son. Mm-hmm. He was like two when we came down here. And, and so they were used to this big football stadium and all this stuff. So 
So Campbell was a little shell shock to them, and, and uh, even my family thought I was a little crazy when we were looking at it. And uh, and now they love it. You know, they love it. Finally, uh, I know you've through your whole career written down your goals and followed the path. What have you written down for Campbell University now moving forward? Yeah, I mean, we, we look, we, we plain and simple, we, we want to win the SOCON every single year. You know, that, that's the type of program that we should be. We should win the SOCON every single year. We should be sending seven, if not ten guys to nationals every year. Um, we, you know, Nathan Kreiser broke through the seal and got us our first All-American. It's like, you know, putting the man on the moon, the first step. You know, now we're going, looking at going to Mars. You know, I mean, so that's where we're at. Now it's, it's getting guys on the stand every year and getting a guy on top of the stand um, you know, individually, those are the things that need to happen. We need a year of at least five guys doing something at the national tournament because we need to constantly be a top 20 team. Like a standard for us is always to be a top 20, um, but now we need to start pushing to have that bounce where we're going to bounce into the top 10 and bounce into the top five. I mean, Edinburgh showed years ago that they can do it. I mean, they took third in the country. Um, when I was at Lock Haven, you know, we took fifth in the country. The, the perennial top 10 is getting a little tougher to break into from when I wrestled now. We have less schools, you know, in the Division One level for wrestling. Um, so you're going to have the Penn States and the Ohio States and the Iowas and the Hokie States. And, you know, all those schools are always going to be consistent programs with tradition. So a school like us needs to bounce into the top 10, top 5. Um, if we fall out of the top 20, we're not doing something right, you know. And so this, this coming year, that is a, a big jump for us. We're, we're looking to go from 38th to be the top 20 and then the other thing is when I got here you know one of the traditions at Campbell was they were always consistently a top 10 top 15 program academically we went from APR issues to being 21st in the country academically and so that needs to be a top 10 program every year so we've got both things that we're we're pushing for and, and we've got smart guys who work hard coach thank you enjoy your black coffee and red bull all right thanks Chris I appreciate it man